uh, Plastics, uh, uh, The Voices of Resin. It's a new plastic podcast hosted, of course, by Lindsay and Mercedes, uh, discussing popular plastic topics and uh, people inspiring the industry. Uh, it's a uh, uh, you know, there's a podcast every month uh, uh, with a new episode uh, featuring a guest interviewer, and uh, I'll I'll pass on the forum to Lindsay and, and Mercedes. Uh, uh, you know, very briefly, I was just looking up uh, uh, both you guys, and uh, Lindsay is an engineer at Tech Tank, Vice President Membership Engagement at SP, while Mercedes is a Design Application Lead at Techmer. Uh, feel free to add anything more you want about yourself, uh, but with that, I'll pass on the forum to you and looking forward to uh, the podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> You've got a question, the voices of resin are here. Ooh, Plastics. Plastics is an SBE-sponsored podcast. Hey, girl, how's it going? Hey, it is just great over here. Um, that was a heck of an introduction. I don't think we've ever had that good of an introduction before. Yeah, I don't think anybody actually knows our names. So <laughs> congratulations. <Right. laughs> I know. Thank you so much for that introduction. Um, I'm Lindsay Nebel, and I'm a plastics engineer at Tech Tank. I'm Mercedes Landazari, and I am design application lead at Techmer PM. And with our powers combined, we are Plastics. plastics. The voice, the of, voice the of resin. <laughs> I took all your lines today. It's fine. I know that. I love it. I, do, I, you know, I, it's our goal to, to say it together, but virtually it's, it's near impossible. I think it's um, happened like once. Yeah. In person, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, so we started this podcast, um, gosh, uh, a year and a half ago. Um, we're both avid podcast listeners ourselves and, um, we mostly murder. We steer clear of murder on this though. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, <laughs> Lindsay had introduced me to a, to a true crime podcast, which is really not about true crime and more about friendship and comedy and things like that. So we, we, uh, took that uh, a step further into plastics. Um, no, no, no murdering, no murdering, except there was one episode that was about a plastics company and he, the guy buried the body in uh, colorant. So this got really dark. <laughs> got I said really no dark. murder okay. and I went right for it. All right. Yeah, that was, it was a fascinating episode. Actually, there was two because one, somebody did it as a hometown, I think too. Oh, right. But, yeah. Oh, um, anyway, that's a great podcast too. My favorite murder. <laughs> if, you, if you need some podcast recommendations. Um, but, uh, you know, we wanted to start a podcast to, uh, change the perception of our industry, both both internally and externally. So, uh, Lindsay and I aren't people that that our 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 faces, our images uh, aren't people that that you would typically think of in this industry. We wanted to um, foster diversity in the industry and also take those stories, um, you know, like. Uh, that are that are in popular culture and, and change the narrative, right? We have the, the the narrative of sad turtle, which changed a lot in our world with plastics in a short amount of time. So we wanted to tell the stories um, of plastics that are changing the world for the better, um, and and yeah. get those stories out to the public. So that was how we how we formed the podcast. Plus, we just wanted an excuse to to hang out and talk together. <laughs> yeah, extra excuses um, that we have to be in person together for. Oh, whoops. So sad. So sorry. Oops. Yeah. Oops. It just happens that way. Yeah. So you can listen. Uh, SB graciously sponsors our podcast and they release it um, every the first Friday of every month. <laughs> 
Um, so you, can, you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, um, wherever you get your podcasts, Plast yep. Chicks. Our uh, last episode uh, was up last Friday uh, on the 7th and is with uh, Karen Paulson from um, Paulson Training. And it's a great episode because uh, she actually puts me on the spot and I panic and you can see how hard I panic because I can hear the words coming out of her mouth and I'm just... Yes. <laughs> nothing, nothing going on up here. <laughs> so it is, it's a good episode, especially including that. If you want to see me sweat a little. Love that. Love oh. that for you. Um, so, uh, we, our guest today, um, is someone that I've known for a few years. She was actually on the panel for the very first, um, uh, women, uh, in plastics networking at the time it was net- networking breakfast. Um, and so I am pleased to, uh, talk to her again. Um, uh, so this is Annette Lund. She is the vice president of diversified plastics, um, in Minnesota, and she's also corporate secretary of employee stock ownership. Uh, she's also on the foundation board for the uh, SPE Additive Manufacturing Special Interest Group, or SIG. Um, she was featured in uh, Plastics News Women in Plastics 2015. And in 2012, she received the Distinguished Alumni Award from uh, North Hennepin College. Um, so welcome, uh, Annette. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it was nice to, to see you again, Mercedes, and to meet you, Lindsay. Well, it's nice to meet you too, but actually uh, I was looking at kind of, you know, your resume and obviously doing a little light Google stalking before uh, <laughs> our interview and our paths have crossed, non-crossed uh, for quite a while. I was actually oh, really? in the Women in Plastics class of 2015. Oh. Uh, I was working at MTD when I think MTD and Diversified Plastics were up for processor of the year, something like that, somewhere around there. And uh, I believe uh, Brennan and, no, it was Bill Breger and Don had just come from your guys' facility like the day before or something. Oh, really? (laughs) So like, I feel like we've had a lot of crossed paths, just we've never actually physically met. (laughs) No, no, just virtual. I think there's a Craigslist section for that. Just yes. <laughs> and, and I have mine posted. She's just never responded. <laughs> um, so, Annette, um, yeah, going back to that award that you received from your alma mater, it's incredible to to receive that kind of recognition. I mean, for me, that would be the dream. Um, but when you graduated, did you have any idea um, that you would enter this industry? And if not this industry, did you have some kind of an idea of, of what kind of company or company culture uh, you wanted to work in? I had no idea where I wanted to go. Uh, when I graduated from high school, I went back, I, I started college at a community college for a year because I had no idea what I wanted to do. And after a year, I thought this is too much like high school. The, there were the same people, the same cliques, the same, the classes were similar. And I just said, I want to go work. So I found a job in a manufacturing company where I did some light assembly work and ended up running the shipping and receiving department. Um, and so then after that, I, I got married, found my, met my husband. Uh, he was a UPS driver. I was the receiving clerk. It was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, we, we met and uh, had a child. And I decided I didn't want to work full time. So I uh, got a job as a part-time receptionist at a plastic company. And that's how I got into the plastics industry. And as that company grew, because uh, we started with three injection molding machines and 13 employees, and as it grew, I needed 
So I needed more training if I wanted to grow with the company. And that's how I got my degree was, was after I was in the industry already. But having had the, in, the uh, experience of being in manufacturing, plastics was a great fit. I really, really enjoy um, being in the industry and learning. There's so many exciting things going on all the time in the plastics industry. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that story of, of how you met your husband. That is such a meet cute. That's I've the, had, that's the uh, actual mist, non-missed connection. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've had like, you know, my, my previous job where I had the very front desk, um, I, and would always deal with people, people walking in. I just, that was my dream, but the UPS guy could not get away from me quick enough. It was, just, <laughs> it was not a good scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that story. Sure. Yeah. And I love that you, you know, you mentioned you were kind of working in the manufacturing space. And then when you had your kid, you decided, you know, you needed something part-time, which is kind of what my story is too. Um, I mean, I, I went to school for plastics, but now I, when I had my first child, I was like, I don't want to work full-time. And, um, I know I've told the story before, but I've had, I had a lot of headhunters tell me, you're not gonna be able to get a job if you're looking for part-time in the plastics industry. And I think that's something, you know, we need to be aware of and create more opportunities for other people, not just young moms, but young parents, you know, um, to step away and spend more time with their family and appreciate that side of life as well. Especially with what's going on with COVID, both parents are needed. So (laughs) yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So, um, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, entering the manufacturing industry, um, really as, as a receptionist. And that was, as it was a time when the industry even more so was, uh, you know, even more heavily male dominated. Uh, can you tell us about your progression and some of the roles that you've, you've held at diversified plastics? When I, I moved from receptionist to office manager. So I took care of all the accounting and back then, and we were really small. We didn't even have computers. So I typed everything, every letter, every paycheck, everything was typed. And, and I did all the accounting and, and not all the accounting, the bookkeeping, I should say. We had an accountant. But um, so I kind of grew from there and I had to take care of the orders. I processed orders. I did a little bit of sales. And as the company grew, I needed to um, decide where I wanted to go because I was doing a lot of the purchasing and I really enjoyed working with the resin manufacturers, learning what the materials can do. And that was really exciting. But I also liked working with the customers because there's so many talented engineers out there. And uh, even though I was a woman and I wasn't always accepted for what I could offer to the party, um, it was still was exciting. So I eventually decided to go down that path and I got my degree in business and with a highlight in sales and marketing, because that was, that was interesting. I got to go out and visit the customers and go out and see what they were making and how they were making it. And it was, it was, it was exciting for me. I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. So you say that, that um, you know, sometimes it wasn't always you being a woman was not always well received by some of the customers um, when you when you started. How did you um, how did you work through that work around that? Um, what did you do to to start uh, getting their, their tr- building trust with them? 
mostly I tried to joke it off and make it a, make it something fun and laugh it off and just not let it bother me because in a lot of cases, that's what they were trying to do. I remember one gentleman, he was an older gentleman and he wanted to shock us all. And so he'd sit in these meetings and come up with these really rude comments and I would just laugh it off. Um, they eventually, the upper manager finally got to him and he stopped, but it was, I, I think we weren't accepted. We thought he thought we were not, didn't know what we did, but I just kind of met it with, with humor and shrug it off. And pretty soon he started to accept my, my uh, answers to his questions and um, so forth. So it, it, you just kind of got to work through it, I guess. And I, <laughs> and I did have some support from my um, coworkers back at the office, both male and female. So that always helps too. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for, people just wanting the reaction sometimes, I think. Yeah, and a lot to be to be said for having a an you know internal support system, right? A right. team of people who you can go to, and you know when when you're when you're experiencing difficulties like that, right? Right. They might have an idea for a different approach or a different way of saying something next time that comes up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, and it's not like every case is the same. Every person. You know, you know, you can be prepared for one situation and the next time it's a, a totally different um, scenario and a totally different approach to trying to make you upset or discredited or, you know, um, and that's, that's always a fun game. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game. It's true. <laughs> it's game. I remember uh, hearing one woman say that she would she would also try to meet things with humor, um, but then really kind of, you know, um, kind of tr- flip it around. Like I think she had said something like the the customer had said something to her like, "Oh, like you, uh, well, I didn't I didn't realize that uh, that the new salesperson would be so so attractive or something like that." Which is like yeah. okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, and she said, you know, she turned around. She said, "Oh, well, thank you. Um, you know, lucky for you, I'm the whole package. I also have brains." Um, and let's keep it professional in the future. <laughs> and he was just like, oh, okay. That's a good answer. Yeah. I don't think I'd, I would have been that quick. Yeah. Either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so going back to support system. So you, you have um, a mentor that you've talked about, uh, that I've talked about with you about in the past, Jim Dow, right? Um, yes. Who is, or was now at this point, was the CEO of Diversified. Um, how did that mentorship come about? How did it form? Um, how, can you talk about how you've benefited from his mentorship and, and what advice can you give to individuals seeking mentorship? He, um, Jim started the company. He was our entrepreneur and he started it from nothing. As I mentioned earlier, we had three injection molding machines, and 13 employees that only ran three shifts. So we all worked very, very closely together. We all shared and everything. And he became my mentor because uh, as the company grew, I needed someone to, to help me grow with the company. And he just automatically filled that role. He was a great mentor. He, um, he was there for me when, as I mentioned, when I was having issues, he was there for me in college when I was having math problems. He was always there. It didn't really matter. I could talk to him about a lot of different things. Uh, And he just 
kind of filled that role. I think he wanted, he was, a, we always used to call him Professor Dow because he would come up with uh, projects at work that kind of felt like something from school. <laughs> he was really a good mentor, really not just to me, but for everybody at Diversified Plastics. He really wanted to help everybody grow and prosper. And he pushed me to do a lot of different things that I never would have been able to do. Public speaking is one. Um, like this, I would never have been able to do anything like this. And he pushed me to speak at Antec one year about additive manufacturing, which I didn't know a lot about back then is when we were first getting into it. And so he pushed me to, to speak because they asked me to, and it turned out to be an okay. And I learned to learn a lot. And so I have really, it's really been helpful to have somebody who tr- you trust to go to and ask for help when you need it and just to have somebody support you. Mm-hmm. And how, what what can you advise for people who uh, who are seeking a mentor but don't know how to go about finding one? I would think if there's somebody that you admire in the industry, um, look them up online, see if you can contact them through LinkedIn, and ask them to help mentor you. I I think most people would be thrilled if, to have somebody who admired them ask for their help. Now I'm not saying they would be the best mentor because maybe they're not, but. It doesn't mean you can't learn something from them. I always had a philosophy in college. There were some teachers that, you know, you get a teacher and you just don't click with them. They're not teaching in the way that you need to learn. And it was always my goal to learn in spite of the teacher. My reason being there was to learn. And I would see the same about a mentor. If they aren't the great mentor that you thought they'd be, maybe go find someone else. But that doesn't mean you still can't learn something from them. They've got something to teach. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Um, and, you know, we're kind of talking about having, you know, that uh, that female support system for young women entering the industry. Do you think it's important to also have a female engineer? I know, you know, just given the, the basics, basic ratio here, there's usually um, it's a lot easier to find a male mentor. Um, but do you think it's also a good idea to have a female mentor if you can. I think it'd be great. And I and I wanted to mention there's uh, the Plastics News has the Women Breaking the Mold forum that's coming up, I think, in November. And uh, I signed up for it. One of the questions were, do you want to be mentored or do you want to be a mentor? And so um, I thought I'd, that might be new this year. I've never been to the forum before, but I think that's a great place that you could make some contacts with some women in the industry um, and maybe even men too. I haven't been to it before. So maybe there are men that go as well, but it's a great place to maybe find a mentor. Well, somebody is speaking this year. Not me. Oh, <laughs> Mercedes, are you speaking? I guess I missed that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, cool. I, get, I get to be on a panel. Um, Rising up, I think it's called rising up to the challenge in the plastics industry. And um, I didn't know who who else was going to be on the panel when I agreed to be on it, and uh, got the uh, got the notification a week or two ago that it's going to be virtual. And that email was sent to the two other panelists, and I was pleased to find that that they were two uh, kind of mentors of mine, whether or not they know it. <laughs> so uh, Doreen Becker and um, Lisa Lehman. So that was it was a really uh, really cool uh, moment to see that wow, I'm going to be on this panel with these two people that I admire so much and have had specific conversations with about being a woman in the industry. So um, I'm really excited. And then I, immediately when I saw those names, I was like, oh, and I get to hang out with them. It's like, nope, virtual, but nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you mentioned uh, talking, uh, or, or Lindsay, I'll, I'll let you ask this one, but uh, feeding into the additive manufacturing question, for, you mentioned speaking at Antec for the first time. 
Right. We, we got into uh, additive manufacturing, um, I don't remember, five years ago or so, and I've learned a lot over the years. It's an exciting technology. Things seem to be changing daily. I was just talking to an engineer yesterday who had some ideas for additive manufacturing of metal. I'm not a metallurgist. I don't know much about it, but it was really kind of exciting. And I said, you need to get that patent now. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know. Things are changing so rapidly. It's it's a very exciting industry. And um, it's we when we entered it, there was a lot of teaching that we still have to do. A lot of engineers know now know how to um, design for injection molding, but it's different than doing it for additive right. manufacturing. So we're finding that we need more engineering staff to train engineers on designing for additive manufacturing, but it's an exciting new world that uh, is going to affect us all. Yeah. So when you were introducing the additive manufacturing, you know, when, you know, you're, you're telling you're introducing it at Antec, mm-hmm. um, what was that like to introduce something that, like, as you said, besides the fact that you're not a big fan of the, the public speaking, um, and then you're introducing something that, you know, your company is just getting started in and you don't necessarily have all the experience in it to, like, lean on yet. How, you know, how did that feel? Um, to just Very nerve-wracking. <laughs> but I, I did a lot of research and I presented a project that we were working on. We didn't have all the answers yet, but we were trying to... Um, build an uh, injection mold out of the out of additive manufacturing. And mm-hmm. the funny thing is our first project we tried with it was fantastic. It worked really well. It was, uh, it was a gold star. It was really great. Then the next ones after that, not so good. <laughs> so I assume you presented the gold star one. <laughs> yes. And I talked about the problems with the other ones and that we were still researching it because we did right. go on a lot further and, and try to try to make it work. But um so far, we hadn't in the in the type of process we were using, we didn't see a good way to make it work on a long term basis. Personally, my favorite talks are the ones that haven't wrapped everything up in a nice bow because it kind of gets your wheels turning and you right. think about it, it haunts you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. We gave them the problem. Hopefully, they, they can solve it down the road. Somebody was thinking about it. <laughs> So with with the additive manufacturing, uh, which which process do you use? We have a polyjet machine, and we also have a DLS machine um, from Carbon. Mm-hmm. And what the the polyjet machine is really a great machine. It's fast. It's quick. Um, you can do nice, fun colors and that type of thing. And the and the Carbon has more. It's closer to an injection molded part. So we've been able to work with customers and do product uh, actually do production parts, not just prototyping and fixtures and that type of thing. So we found for long-term carbon is probably a better technology than the, than the polyjet, although it has its place too. It's, it's sometimes faster. It takes less finishing than the, than the uh, DLS process, but it is, they're both good for their uses, but we happen to be promoting the uh, DLS um, type of, of additive manufacturing. I remember talking to Jody Simone maybe two years ago, who's the, he stepped down. He was the founder and CEO of Carbon. Right. Um, super tall guy. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, he, he mentioned that the inspiration for that process was actually 
I forget if it was Terminator or Terminator 2. Yeah, <laughs> that was funny. I love it. Like, like building something from just like this, like, you know, goop, like just like, you know, um, <laughs> I, I just love that, that image. Um, you know, it's, it's just so cool to say, oh, wow, this is this new additive manufacturing technology, you know, that's, it's different from the pellet fed, you know, um, and different from the, you know, the, the, the maker bots that people have, but, uh, just, just so cool. Just so cool. <laughs> it's um, a great image. Yeah. Do, yeah. Do you find having like both the injection molding and the additive manufacturing together help you out on a lot of projects or are they typically different types of projects? It really does help because we can, a lot of times we can get, uh, particularly in medical, because then they don't have to build a tool. They can make a part out of carbon. They can go in and they can get their FDA um, approval and they can go forward from there. And then when it hits the um, long-term project and it becomes a, a high marketable product, they can go back and uh, get their FDA tweaked and we can make the parts out of injection molding, which in the most cases is is better for high volume than uh, than the carbon process. Right. But in the small quantities, the carbon is excellent. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, because that's interesting, right? You know, we talk about how additive manufacturing is is a newer technology and um, it really hasn't been been fully embraced by a lot of our industry. Um, now, in the field of, of healthcare and medicine, that is kind of a, a, a field where change is very slow. Right. Everything has to get specced in and it takes years to qualify. So why do you think it is that um, really the, the medical sector within the plastics industry seems to have been the first to embrace this technology? I think, as, as you said, with all the validations that have to be done beforehand, before they can even go to um, FDA for their approval, there's a long term process there and not having to build a tool being able to make some parts, test them out, finding that it's not quite right, tweaking it, doing again. You don't have to build three or four tools or go back in and try to make that tool work when maybe the, you needed a total redesign and now they have to scrap that, that plastic mold, which are expensive. They're tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on the complexity of the, of the parts. So this is a, a faster and more cost-efficient way of getting to market. And uh, I think that that's why the medical industry has has accepted it. Yeah, I think I would have hated to be the project manager on the first program that was going from additive to injection molding. I'm sure that was just a pain. It's <laughs> <laughs> an actual nightmare. I'm, I'm yes. positive yes. of that. <laughs> um, so... Is there anything exciting you guys are working on right now that you can tell us about? There's a, a couple things that, that have happened recently. Um, one, because um, their business slowed down with COVID, as most people did, our customers weren't doing elective, sur- weren't having elective surgeries done, so their products weren't being sold as much. We, we make parts for uh, dental x-ray machines. Again, the dentists weren't buying their machines. So we saw a little bit of a slowdown. But uh, we wanted to help out. So it was a, a company-wide initiative to how can we help out. And uh, so we did some research and what was available out there. And one of the things that we helped out with was a, a halo that goes for face shields. Nice. Um, uh, one of the governors, I think it was governor of Colorado, asked for help. And he wanted somebody to 3D print face shield, uh, halos because they had a company who would make the actual shield. And um, so we 
initiated said we would do it and we started printing the halos and realized we could only get four to six a day that's not (laughs) going to make the two hundred thousand that they need so we went back to the drawing board and worked with the uh, shield manufacturer and designed this halo and we built a two cavity mold in 48 hours and so we were making parts then we built another two cavity mold and then a four cavity mold so we were able to make about 30,000 pieces a day. And so we were able to get their 200,000 pieces very rapidly and they were distributed to the hospitals very quickly. Um, Another project we were in, actually there was two of them we were working on with ventilator splitters um, where the ventilator can be used by two different patients at the same time, increasing the capacity of the ventilators. And um, within two weeks, because they kept doing redesigns, we actually 3D printed those and got them out to New York. They went to New York, the hospitals in New York, and were able to to help out uh, that fairly quickly as well. So that was really very fun for us. But another project we'd been working on uh, with Nan and their uh, pulse oximeter manufacturer, and they had a new product we'd been working on for over a year. It's called the Onyx um, um, Project, and they manufacture pulse oximeters that measure your um, oxygen levels and your pulse. I, this isn't the actual one, but they gave us a couple. And um, so their business overnight with COVID went up 2,600%. And there were people all over asking for these and wanting these. So we ramped up now and we're making 30,000 pieces a we don't make the whole product. We make a lot of it and put it together. Um, but we're doing about 30,000 a month now. So we make quite a few of them for them and they're, keep, they're going forward with this. And we actually had to buy some vertical presses. So we expanded with that. I don't know how long it'll last, but we're enjoying it while we can. <laughs> and I actually take my reading every day. I find this more effective than the thermometer. Um, we do we do temperature readings every day when everybody walks in, and it fluctuates from day to day. Right. But my pulse is the same every day. <laughs> it goes down maybe one one point one percent, but basically it's the same. So if I knew if it went down, started going down steadily, I would know I'd have a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I see. Um, so I had a friend who uh, had, I've had a few people who, who have had coronavirus and one of them has some, uh, some health issues. Um, and so she got, it took her a while to get it, but she got one of these, these pulse oxes. And that was her rule was like, okay, if it gets down to 90, then I'm going to go to the, to the hospital. Yep. Um, and I think a lot of people right now, I mean, that tw- you said 2,600%. 2,600%. That's <laughs> insane. That's insane. So, so what, go, go ahead, Lindsay. Well, I was just going to say with, with these types of quick turnarounds, you know, you, you're saying a two cavity tool in 48 hours, which I'm just like, yeah, we had a tool maker. <laughs> we did have a mold base that we were able to use. Okay. Yes, the tool makers, they worked it out. So they were working 24 hours or the machine was running when they weren't there. So yeah, 48 hours. And are you pulling that, uh, you know, with, like I said, those quick turnarounds, are you pulling that tooling in-house? Are you sourcing it, you know, local shops or, we, you know, how- We build our tools in-house. Okay. Well, not all of them. I must say when we get a big package, we can't, um, right. it's just too much <laughs> for us, but this one we built in-house and we do try as many in to do as many in-house as we can. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, it's so neat to hear. I had no idea that you guys were doing the, the ventilator splitters or that, manufacturers were involved in that process. I remember reading about, um, you know, doctors have, have found ways to use <laughs> these on multiple patients. And I was like, oh, neat. Like, I wonder how they're, like, how did they find that 
but really it's it's an actual um something that that was done at the manufacturing level is that correct um, I believe there was a major medical manufacturer, uh, device manufacturer, who started one of the projects with us, and the other one came from, I think it was a university. Um, that one came from a university, and I don't remember which one, because we are working on a couple of other ones, too, with uh, some universities. Uh, university of Utah, I know, is one, and the Jet Propulsion Lab, I know. So we've been working a lot of different universities who are working hard to make ventilators and ventilator splitters and, and other mm-hmm. things for this to, you know, to combat this disease. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating how suddenly what, what we do in the plastics industry is now people, you know, I, I'm able to articulate it um, or it's, it's, it makes sense more to my friends and family now, <laughs> you know, that, that suddenly it's like, Oh, Oh, that's what you do. But I thought you did uh, plastics. Like plastics are bad, but you're doing like ventilator splitting. <laughs> yeah. You're making these, you know, pulse ox monitors, you know, like, um, it, have you found that for me, one, it was just really moving and, and rewarding to see, you know, my company's products go into, um, you know, the N95 mask and things like that. And it was just like, it was a huge, just, I was so filled with pride, you know, with, for the people in my organization and, and everybody at the, at the different manufacturing sites. And, um, did, did you experience something similar? Or is this like old news for you? You're like, I, I've been saving lives every day for the past. Like. <laughs> I think it with the family and friends, it was like, Oh, oh, you do some fun thing. Oh, I get it now. Cause before we'd make things and I'd tell them about it and they go, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Right <laughs> but now it's like, they understand that plastics can be good. Plastics isn't all bad. We need plastics, which just need a better way of recycling it and getting it out of the environment afterwards. But I know that's a problem that we'll, we'll eventually hit and fix, but um, it's going to be a while, but yes, my family, you're right. My family and friends um, are a lot more um, interested in what I'm doing now than they did before. <laughs> my family just knows I go on a long rant. So I think they just, don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so it's probably for the best. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, I, I always like seeing the, the good stories float to the top um, and kind of overpower some of the negative ones. Um, and, you know, seeing people being saved by stuff like ventilators and, and just having um, those pulse oxes to, you know, use on a, regular everyday basis and give people a feeling of like safety and comfort. Um, I think that's, that's just, just one of those beautiful things about plastics, not to get a little corny, but it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, and I think too, that a lot of, you know, because I've, I've been in the industry, what, for a little over four years now, maybe, but, uh, and before that knew nothing about plastics and plastics I thought were, were the, the uh, enemy of, of, of the environment. Right. Right. But coming from, coming from, you know, my linguistics background, it's like, well, I didn't have the full definition of the word. I was thinking of a much smaller version of a much smaller definition. So like, if you take the example, like very simple, different part of speech, but, but the word get in English. Right. And I know that it means, um, I know that it means to, to receive something. Right. And that's my definition, but then there are all these variations, right? Get in, get out, get off, get up, get over, get under, get through, which really are completely different meanings. Right. Same thing with plastics. When, when a lot of people hear plastics, they think plastic, 
spoon, plastic car. When I picked my cousin up from the airport the other day and she was getting on me about how I work in plastics, I'm like, dude, do you realize that the, the car that, that we're riding in right now <laughs> is, you know. How'd you text me to pick me up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, this car is so much more fuel efficient, so much better for um, for the environment because it is it has a ton of plastic in it instead of metal, right? Um but yeah, so I think that it's just a too, too narrow of a definition in, in a lot of people's minds. Um, so what, but getting back to the pandemic, how have things changed? Obviously you've already mentioned that um, you're taking temperature checks outside. Um, you mentioned that, that you've started producing new, new products. Um, how have other things changed for you with, with the pandemic going on? Well, we don't do, obviously don't do as many meetings as, although they're starting to come back, but we have a, a certain amount you're allowed in the com, each of our conference rooms so that everybody can be social distancing. Um, everybody has to wear masks when they're not in their office or in their little cubicle. They have to wear a mask out in the public areas. We wash things down twice a day in the office. All the, the woman that does that is a saint. I would go crazy. <laughs> she does this twice a day. Every doorknob, even though we have now propped open doors, but every doorknob, every light switch, uh, toilet seat handles, um, anything that anybody would be touching on a regular basis, she washes down the copy or the, the fax machine twice a day. And they do it out in the shop regularly, too. And obviously, before they eat, they wipe down their area. And then after lunch, they wipe down their area again. And everybody has been very good. And we only allowed one person at a lunch table now. So there isn't as much camaraderie, I think, as there was before um, being able to talk to people during lunch. But um, and then the virtual meetings, it's I find them difficult um, on a long-term basis, not to be able to talk to someone. And in a lot of the virtual meetings, people talk over each other and you can't, in, when you're in a room together, you can actually hear both people, but not on a virtual. <laughs> so they end up being longer or somebody just doesn't get their thoughts out or so it, I think it's the wave of the future. I think we're going to be doing more and maybe there will be rules and so forth that come up to, to combat some of this, but it just isn't the same as sitting down and talking to someone face-to-face, as you mentioned earlier, Mercedes, about the Women's Forum. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to go this year. <laughs> that was the plan. But now that it's virtual, it'll have to, it'll have to force to all that. So, yeah, I, I attended that last year and it was, it was a really nice, well done forum. So yeah, it is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, you know, that you bring up a great point about camaraderie. That's, that's something that I have not heard talked about, but just, you know, that the fact that people have to eat lunch, you know, one person to a table, I was like, that's a bummer. That's really yeah. sad. <laughs> um, and that camaraderie is down, you know, on, uh, which, which makes a lot of sense. And, and like I said, I, I had not heard anybody mention that before. It's, it's a hundred percent true. People are working remotely who had been working, you know, in cubicles next to each other before. Right. Um, it, you know, at the same time we have, I'm a native Californian. We have what what we call the earthquake effect, where if you're in an earthquake with someone, you're immediately in a, in a room like with somebody that you haven't met before, and you're in an earthquake together. You're immediately bonded to them, and any kind of tension that was in the room before, like, is gone. And it's like, okay, now we're we're we can be open and honest with each other. And I see that happening a little bit on Zoom calls. You know, I've I've um I've heard some some kids screaming in the background, you know, and it's like, hey, it's cool. 
I've just, the same thing happened to me on my last call, you know? Um, so there, there is that kind of, you know, we're, we're all in this together, but, it, but really when it comes down to the day to day, there, that, you know, I, I see that, that there is, could be a, a loss of camaraderie. Are you guys doing anything to, um, to boost camaraderie during this? How is management, uh, how, how are you um, trying to um, keep strong relationships internally? We, we've tried to do some activities uh, to try to promote things. Um, we had a, recently we had a, um, the start of the, the baseball season. So we had everybody dress up as their um, favorite baseball team. We've actually done a lot of um, giving away of ice cream or little treats. I did a, um, what did we do? Uh, what was it called? We did a word search and then everybody who participated, it was, it was minor, but we got a lot of people participating in that one uh, scavenger hunts that you do from home and then send in the pictures. We've had the people who were been working remotely take picture, goofy pictures of themselves and send it in so everybody can see what their desk looks like and how, you know, what they're doing when they're at home. So just some things that we're trying to do to, just to get people together. We're actually doing a decorate um, your mask, decorate a mask uh, week. So I'm anxious to see what those are going to be like. <laughs> That's so it. cool. Those are such great. I want to do some of those things. That's what are, Lindsay, are you doing I, anything like that? We haven't talked about this. I mean, I personally go to my fridge and eat ice cream every day, but <laughs> so, I don't think that's uh, Tech Tank sponsored. <laughs> Just, and uh, my husband, he works for uh, a large computer company, and, but he's always been remote. But now there are bigger groups of people becoming remote. Like, I don't think anyone on his team even works in an office or has ever worked in an office for that company. And um they do a lot of um, happy hours yeah, and then they will actually, I guess their new thing is, and maybe I'm totally misreading the situation. They steal Zoom links for other groups, happy hours and crash them. <laughs> so, within, the, within the company though, right? Within the company, not just like random happy hours, but within their company, like they will somehow, someone will get a Zoom link and he'll be like, I got to go crash a happy hour. And I'm like, how are you doing that? <laughs> I guess that's what they're doing. I have no idea. <laughs> that's really fun. That's great. So, and you are you are working from the plant or from home now? I work one day from home, and otherwise, I work in the plant. Uh, we never shut down. We were we're always um, a critical considered a critical business, and so fortunately, we never shut down. But twenty percent of the employees are working from home. We had one uh, employee who started before. Um, this all, you know, the rules came through. He started working from home, I think in February. I may even been at the end of January, just because he's, his wife has some health issues and his kids have some health issues and he does too, actually. So, um, he's just said, this is scaring me. I'm going to work from home. He'd been reading up on what was on the CDC and the world health organization. So he kind of was our front runner of what was happening. And, and, uh, he said, I'm working from home. But he comes in one day a week now. Um, so you get to see them. <laughs> it's exciting to see people you haven't seen for months. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I am still like, it's like pulling teeth, trying to get one of our lab managers to turn it. Oh, what? Yeah. A lot of our lab managers to turn their cameras on. I miss them so much. I want to drive out <laughs> there and see them. But uh, what, what can you do? How can you advise people who do work, who are working from home, um, who want to show some love to people in the plant? Um. 
as you said, maybe because we do use Teams a lot for meetings and turn on your camera because most of the time we don't. Um, people are actually doing other work when they're. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't want anyone to know. So turn on your camera once in a while. We haven't done the virtual um, cocktail party or whatever you want to call it. And we haven't done that because a lot of our people work on second and third shifts. So it's a little little hard to segregate those that don't, but we could certainly do it with the office staff. And that might be fun to do at some point. Um, you can always crash one too. I can get you just a I random like Zoom idea. link. <laughs> <laughs> Can't guarantee anyone will be on it, but you guys can crash it. <laughs> well, as you do, I think Lindsay, was I texting you about it? Maybe not. I, I almost got to, to Zoom crash a, um, like I, I got a random invite on, um, not WeChat, on um, what's the, the, uh, WhatsApp, and I was going to be able to crash a virtual baby shower for these people oh, yeah, that I didn't know in the UK. <laughs> but I and I started responding. I went through the like I changed my name to like I think I changed my name to Jane Austen because I was trying to sound British. And obviously <laughs> they removed me. They removed me. But I was that was the only uh, it was a failed attempt to to crash a, a happy hour party. Could worked. Could have happened uh, next time. Well, Annette, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to chat with us today. Um, really, really, really appreciate it. And um, just inspired by by uh, everything that you've accomplished and, and everything that, you know, actually before before we go, though, what is what is next for you? Probably retirement. <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to go up here. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Love it. Well, thank you so much. And um, hopefully I'll see you virtually at uh, Women Breaking the Mold. Yeah. And hopefully I'll meet you in person finally. Or finally. we'll just keep doing this for the next we'll go. however many years. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a question, the voices of resin are here. Oh, plastics. Yay. See you later.